Hello, and welcome to The Power of Kids Books, where we believe books are a catalyst to inspire and empower change. I'm your host, Dori Durbin. We talk a lot about tools and information leading to empower kids to live happy lives. And my guest today is a living example of that. She became interested in being a registered massage therapist at the age of 13 and has been ever since. She's also the author of her first children's book, Chirp's Large Day, that includes messages of inclusion, whimsy, and that there's magic everywhere. Welcome, Rebecca Gladney. Hi, Dory. How are you? I am doing great and so fascinated about your background. You knew at 13, 13, that's so young that you wanted to be an actual massage therapist. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I uh, I had a really impactful uh, adult in my life who was a a family friend, uh, one of my mother's friends who, as I got older, became one of my close friends. And she was really great at putting me in leadership positions um, and one day complained that she had a knot in her shoulder and I'd been really involved with sports. So I was like, oh, I think I can probably do something about that. And just started massaging her shoulder and it had an impact and it made her feel better. And my parents both worked in and around the healthcare sphere. So it was very kind of embedded in me to help the people who take care of you and to take care of them and to help people in your community. So this was a really great way for me to work in healthcare without being a nurse like my mom was um, or having to dive all the way into being a doctor and still give back and have a meaningful impact on people's lives. That's awesome. And to feel that so strongly at 13, I think about that as, as an age group. Maybe it's just my experience, but I had lots of interest, but not really like a true passion. And I doubt my parents would have let me follow that true passion at that point. So I think you're so lucky that you were able to do that. Yeah, they were super supportive. Uh, As soon as I graduated high school, I was exploring how I became a massage therapist and uh, started almost immediately on that pathway um, and working towards the massage therapy diploma. And I was really lucky that I could do it here in my hometown as well. And I love the fact that you have expanded your reach. So in my mind, a massage therapist kind of works in an office, sees patients, you know, coming. You're actually on the sidelines of sporting events, which I think is really fascinating too. Yeah. In 2015, I became really interested in becoming a sports massage therapist. And part of getting that designation is to work with at least three different sports and one has to be contact and one has to be non-contact. And then the third can be what either of those two things. Um, so I started working with hockey because I'm Canadian. So that just <laughs> seemed like the, the most realistic contact sport you think of hockey. Uh, and I fell in love with it. I had never been on a hockey bench. Nobody in my family played hockey growing up. We all learned how to skate, but nobody played hockey. My parents and my siblings didn't really watch hockey. And I just totally fell in love with the world of it and being on the bench and helping players perform at their best and and be their best selves. So it was really cool to get to be the safe space for, for kids in that environment too, because you don't control their ice time. You, it doesn't matter to you if they're playing a lot or playing a little, they're all treated the same way and you just take care of them when they need it. I just had this vision of you seeing a kid being pulled off the ice because of whatever, 
and you walking up to them and knowing exactly where they're going to be tight because of the stress of the situation. Like, okay, yeah, I got it. (laughs) I actually had a goalie, uh, probably my, my second year with our provincial high performance program. I had a goalie who kept touching her back and I had worked with her the year before previously. And I knew that that wasn't normal behavior for her. And when she came off the ice, I was like, so what's going on with your low back? And at that age, they're a little bit hesitant, especially in such a high performance tryout situation. They don't want you to pull them and them not to be able to try out because they think it's going to impact their chance of getting on the team, even though it doesn't, it's taken into consideration. So she was hesitant to say anything that her back was hurting her. And as soon as I called her on it, you could see the look on her face and the, how did you know that? And like, like I was magical that I could recognize it. And we were, we were able to do very little work and give her some stretches and send her on her way and perform better than she had been because she no longer had the nagging pain. So it's always really fun to be able to recognize those patterns and the, the biomechanics behind it and get to know the kids really well and know what's their normal and what isn't their normal and kind of make them, make them sing, make them think that you're a little magical, (laughs) even though you're just paying attention. So those are the kind of details that you really thrive on is, is seeing some of the patterning, some of the, their emotional and physical reactions that you can kind of key in to help them get better. Yeah. Yeah. And that's honestly, I guess, recognizing those patterns and seeing those reactions has been one of the coolest things about the book because I didn't expect that. But going into classrooms and actually sharing it with students in person and seeing the joy on their faces and it's just been the loveliest part of the book journey is a continuation of my massage therapy journey without having anything to do with massage therapy. (laughs) Yeah, because your book is is really um, an adventure type of book, right? Yeah. um, Yeah. So I love being a tourist at home and my book is, my first book is very much centered around the downtown core of my hometown, which is a little bit magical all in its own right. Uh, I live on an island uh, on the Eastern coast of Canada and our town is very influenced by the fishery, uh, especially fishery of previous years um, and the the color. So there's a lot of, even the first page has these really colorful houses. They're called Jelly Bean Row houses. And that actually exists in the town. Um, and yeah, it's it's kind of a magical little place that people love to visit, but don't know exists. And I, we were talking right before the podcast. I didn't realize you were a half hour different even. You have your own time zone. That's all part of the magic. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. That's amazing just in itself for sure. So, okay, let's let's go back just for a second. We started to talk about your massage career. I want the listeners to know what your your future career might be. Uh, I am actively working towards getting into med school so that I can become a doctor, even though it's not what I wanted to do when I was younger. Uh, at 29, I decided that that was the pathway that I wanted to take and went back to university and did a degree so that I'd be eligible to apply and have been working towards that ever since. I think that's so cool because really like the same skills that you've acquired from being an author and from being a massage therapist, you're going to take those and channel them into a higher level of education, but you're still going to be doing the same, focusing on those patients and really reading those emotions, feelings, symptoms, et cetera. So I think that's amazing. 
Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it's it's really kind of become an interesting pathway. And I'm really fortunate that my life hasn't been on hold waiting to get in. I still have a career. I still have passions that I've been able to pursue. And my family and friends have been really supportive about everything from me pursuing my passions to the act of getting into med school and the process that's associated with that. I've been really fortunate. Were they surprised you wrote a children's book? Yeah. Uh, it just kind of happened. Uh, my two best friends laugh about it all the time. Uh, and they're, my parents are really supportive. My family's really supportive, but these two women in particular who've been with me since we were young kids, one day I was just kind of like, so I have this book and I think this is what's going to happen with it. And they've been unbelievable. So we joke that um, one of them brings it up in conversation all the time with anyone that she can. (laughs) And we'll often go, have you heard about Chirp? So we've promoted her to his head of PR. (laughs) And the other is a police officer, um, but is also just like telling anybody she can about it. So we've jokingly said that she's his head of security. (laughs) I love that. Um, Does she have a book in her car? Just, you know, (laughs) You know, I should ask her, like, you know, if you ever have to deal with a child, you know, yeah. it might be nice. Have it in the car, ready to go. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. So what inspired you to actually write the story and then even to follow through and self-publish it? So I saw a, a photo of a magazine cover that a friend had designed and posted on Facebook. Uh, his name is Judd Haynes. He's an incredible graphic designer. And somebody had commented below it saying, you're halfway to a kid's book. Mm. I was lying in bed next to my nephew, who was probably two and a half, three at the time. He's now five. He just turned five, which is crazy to think about. Um, And I just started writing um, a book based on this puffin who was on the magazine cover named Chirp and basically combined things that me and my nephew had done that morning together around downtown Mm -hmm. St. John's and some of the iconic locations. So there's a couple of things in the book that we didn't actually do that day, but that we do regularly Mm -hmm. and that tourists often do when they're in town. That's really neat. I love that it's based off of something that you've experienced and experienced with, you know, a kid that, um, that gives it a new kind of appreciation, new perspective too. Yeah. Well, and in the dedication, I um, I dedicated the book to him for the obvious reasons. And one of the things that I say is that he's the teacher of all things silly, because I really <laughs> don't think that I appreciated how silly I could be and how whimsy life could be um, until he came into my life and and taught me that skill. The kid that was already in you, he brought back out. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. And just that ability to not really care what's happening around you and just focus on his laugh and his entertainment and his joy and and what he's actually seeing and experiencing and the questions that he asks about what you would consider the simplest thing, but his mind is learning and growing and he doesn't know those things yet. So it's been really fun. I hope you're taking notes as you're um, spending time with him so you can continue your series. Oh, I actually am continuing the series. So I've decided to um, to make Chirp a series all about adventure. So instead of branding as Chirp's Large Day, uh, I started branding as Chirp's Adventures. And the hope is that he'll go all the way across Canada 
and uh, then eventually into the United States and across to the UK and, and basically travel the world. That's awesome. I'm sure that your nephew will want to chime in a little bit into some of those adventures then. Do you know what? So the book is dedicated to him and he's a child who hates having attention focused on him. So I knew that he didn't actually like the book, but I couldn't figure out quite why. And recently, uh, as I my second book is about to be published, uh, it's in pre-orders right now. And I told him that it was dedicated to his cousin, my other nephew. And he said, oh, that's really nice. I said, will you like the book better because your name isn't in it? And he said, yes, I think so. So he thought that because his name was in it, all of these people knew him Uh, and were focusing their attention on him and his name. And that's why he didn't like the book. So he does actually like the book. He just doesn't (laughs) like that his name is in it for right now. Anyways, when he's an adult, he might enjoy that. And to be able to show him the the animated trailer of the drawings. And uh, I like to put little Easter eggs in the book. So in the second book, my dog is actually in it and his dog is in it because they're best pals and they walk down a trail together. So in the animation, they're walking down the trail together. And when he saw it, he just lit up and said, Kimosabi and Rue. I was like, yeah, that's, that's been really so fun. fun. That is very fun. So Rebecca, I would love to have you read some of your book if you wouldn't mind doing that for us. Oh my gosh, I would love to. I'm actually just going to start right from the beginning. Uh, it's a rhyming book. So um, I did that purposely, A, because my dad has always sung little limericks at us that he would make up. Uh, So it's naturally embedded in me. And B, because rhyming helps language development, especially in young children that are being read too. So they learn to anticipate sounds. So um, it was one of the considerations that I made with it. Um, So let's, I'll just start. That'd be great. Thank you. Chirp the Puffin has plans for a big day. Let's follow along. What do you say? Chirp stops for breakfast treats in a really special store. They've got tea and hot chocolate, and at night even more. It was once where the fire trucks went to sleep, but now it's where us townies like to meet. With a full belly, Chirp climbs Signal Hill. At the top, he hears ringing. Not a phone, but church bells. I'm just going to stop there, and I'll explain Mm -hmm. a couple of things if that works for you. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So uh, the first place that he stopped, uh, the it was once where fire trucks went to sleep. It actually used to be a fire hall. And when it stopped being a fire hall, it sat vacant for a long period of time. And recently, um, several people bought it and turned it into this really amazing cafe and brewery. So there's actually a brewery in each book without saying that it's a brewery (laughs) for the parents, because I have read thousands of children's books to the kids in my life. And I hated that it was all focused on them and that it wasn't necessarily as entertaining for me. And I find that that's changing a lot in some of the recent books that are coming out. Um, But it's, yeah, so that's, that's kind of the line of it was once where the fire trucks went to sleep. So it gives an opportunity for parents to engage with it, especially if they're from here and they know the history of it. They can talk about how it used to be a fire hall and it was repurposed. And I'll show you the drawing. (laughs) Oh, you guys can't see it on the podcast, but it's adorable. Love Um, it. And then the the second location that he stops, Signal Hill, is actually where the first transatlantic phone signal was sent from. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah, so that's why it's called Signal Hill. 
Um, and that's why the line is at the top here is ringing, not a phone, but church bells, because there's a really large church in the background um, located in downtown St. John's, Newfoundland and Labrador. And it's kind of iconic within our skyline. We don't have that industrial skyline. We really have kind of a, a mishmash of colors and building shapes and nothing is more than three or four stories high. Oh, that's starting to change a little bit too. But for right now, everything is a little bit lower. I love it. I love the fact that you have included the history of where you're from. So when you read this, do you have the kids guess where you're talking about? Yeah, it's been really fun with school visits because I tell them that they're allowed to be excited. Um, you're going to see places that you recognize and you're allowed to be excited by it. And I ask them to hold their comments till the end, but that they can kind of woo and and exclaim during the reading (laughs) and they're all really excited to see signal hill because even if they don't live here in town most of them have at least visited town our island is quite large um there's a couple places in the book that aren't quite as familiar to them but signal hill and uh something i didn't read the geo center is um they're they're often field trips for them when they come to town that's really neat do you have a chamber of commerce there? We do. Yeah. They should have your book. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> uh, so actually the businesses in the book, um, I think there's four businesses in the book and, and two of them sell it. So Bannerman Brewing Co., uh, which is where the fire trucks used to sleep, mm-hmm. they carry it there. And the Geo Center um, is all based around um, the geology in the area and some other science things, um, talks about space and things like that. Um, they carry it in their gift shop as well. Just saying it's excellent marketing for you both. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. They were all really quite happy that they were, uh, that they were featured. They nobody's were been, happy. nobody's been mad about being in the books yet. So, and in the, uh, the second book, the lamb, wa- the lamb wash brewery is in it again, without saying that it's a brewery because it's a children's book. Right. Um, and they're really excited about the fact that they're featured in it as well. That's really cool. I love that. And I don't know if you did that intentionally, but I think that's, like you said, that's brilliant marketing on both of your parts. <laughs> yeah. it. W- I mean, it wasn't intentional as a marketing perspective. Right. Um, it certainly worked in that way, <laughs> but it wasn't intentional. It was really just about like, here are the things that I like to do and that me and my nephew like to do together. And that if people are in town visiting that have never been here, the places we're going to take them. That's awesome. Well, speaking of your business, I know uh, one of the questions I usually ask is how your book has influenced your business, but you have a different take on that. Do you want to share that? Yeah, for sure. Uh, My business has actually been more of an impact on my book. So I'm really fortunate to have an incredibly loyal clientele and an incredibly supportive clientele along with my friends and family. And when most of them found out that I had a children's book or when it was precariously positioned on my desk (laughs) as they were checking out, they would ask about it. And and a lot of them have either picked it up themselves or sent it to friends and family um, who are from Newfoundland, but don't live here anymore, or friends and family who have never been here, but have small kids and that they'd like to kind of entice to come here. (laughs) So they've been really supportive. That's awesome. Yeah. Cause usually, you know, your book kind of drives business, but I think it's great that your business is driving the book. And yeah. I and imagine as a doctor, I mean, I think that that's to have a series <laughs> will be pretty amazing. Yeah. And I've actually been thinking about how I can transition 
not just to doing the chirp series, but actually to doing an anatomy book for children or Mm -hmm. something that pulls in my expertise Mm -hmm. into children's literature and gives them something to explore. I absolutely love that because kids are already curious about their bodies. And if you can funnel some of that into even considering the career, they don't, not that you're trying to make a bunch of doctors, but you could open the door to maybe they could be. So that would be a huge deal. Well, and for a child who isn't hearing that at home, Mm -hmm. that can be significant, right? To read it in a book and say, you can be anything that you want to be. Maybe this is something that you want to be. Mm -hmm. I think there's a a significant hole in the professional world as far as kids' books. And I, I definitely feel like there's going to the doctor books, but there are fewer and fewer books about what the experience of being a doctor is or what the experience of learning to be the doctor is. So there's, there are definitely holes. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm curious yeah. to see what will happen. I, I want to have a follow-up <laughs> on this. <laughs> I, I never thought that I would be an author. I kind of stumbled into it. Um, I wrote that book in the afternoon on my notes app on my phone and uh, pitched it to Judd who ended up being way too busy with his, his normal design work to be able to illustrate it. And he gave me his blessing to go find another illustrator, but that was like months down the road. And really early on when I had written the book, I think I wrote it in December of 2019. And in January of 2020, um, I was talking to my friend Dave and was like, Oh, I kind of wrote this book. Do you want to hear it? And he was the first adult that I had read it out to besides Judd. And I never knew that I was a creative person. I've always liked to sew, but I never thought of that as being creative. And he had some very encouraging words for me about how creative I was and how I could do anything that I wanted to do. And that made a world of difference and was why I decided to actually leap into it and self-publish it and be able to do it on my own timeline instead of sending it out to publishers and hoping that somebody would like the idea. Mm-hmm. I I am definitely biased for the self-publishing world just because of that. I think if you can move at your pace and get the book that you envision, it's it feels so much more of like an accomplishment and it's it's you out in the real world, right? Yeah. Um, and it's authentic mm-hmm. to me then too, right? So I was able to feature things that I wanted to feature. So along with the locations, I had full creative control over approval of the drawings. I got to artistic direct it. Um, I got to include elements of in- inclusivity that I probably would have been able to, but maybe not to the same extent. Mm-hmm. So my font was designed by a behavior analyst who deals a lot with children with um, children with autism or on the autism spectrum. Mm-hmm. and it was done in such a way so that there would be no big twirls at the end of the letters and that children with processing disorders or people with processing disorders would be able to pick out the letters and read it the same way that anybody who's neurotypical would be able to pick it up and read it. Um, And then one of the other things is um, there's a page that talks about boats in the harbor. And I wanted one of the boats to have a pride flag on them. Mm -hmm. It's really small. It's not done in such a way that's kind of showy to be like, this is a pride book, but I just wanted it to exist within Chirp's world because it exists within our world. And a lot of children aren't getting that same recognition unless it's a book specifically targeted towards the queer community. Um, So in my second book, Chirp actually makes a new friend named Chick and Chick uses they, them pronouns. And again, it's done in such a way that it just exists there. So if you're looking for it, you'll see it. 
if you're not looking for it, you might not even notice that it's there. <laughs> yeah. And it's really fascinating. I, I love the fact that you are able to, well, first of all, you have the ability to do that because um, a lot of people don't have the foresight of trying to see what all they could put into the book. Um, but then the fact that you're working with an illustrator that's willing to do that as well. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I've been really fortunate and I was really hoping to find a local illustrator for the first book and wasn't able, but for the second book, uh, she's matched the style of the first book so that oh, it nice. has the continuity of a series. But uh, Lisa D. King is her name. So this was the second children's book that she's illustrated and she totally matched his style and and nailed it and was totally willing for any of the edits that I wanted or the things I wanted to add in. She was totally on board for. That's awesome. Well, congratulations on finding her. That's awesome. So let me ask you, what do you hope that your story, not only your book, but your own personal story can help parents to let their kids follow their passions? Um, I guess the fact that their passions can change and that it's okay that things ebb and flow um, I, again, I never thought that I would be an author. And then one day I wrote a book and now I have a second book coming. So, um, my, my parents have just kind of stood by my side and asked, what can we do to help you with this? Um, which usually the answer is tell whoever you can tell, <laughs> <laughs> Buy more books. Um, but yeah, like they were, they were always really supportive and, yeah, I guess the biggest thing the biggest thing really is that your passion can change and that you can have more than one passion. Mm-hmm. So I love my job. I love my career, but I also really love this journey that I'm on. And they're two totally separate things that really interact and come from the same place of wanting to help people and make people feel welcome and safe. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, where can they find you and where can they find your books? Uh, I'm on TikTok at Chirps Adventures. I'm on Instagram at RM Gladney, M as in Mary. And the website, if they'd like to pre-order the second book or pick up the first book is just chirpsadventures.com. And I think we can put a a link so that they don't miss the S's. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Perfect. And definitely we'll put that in the show notes for them as well. So, well, Rebecca, thank you so much for sharing your story, literally your own personal story and your story. And I am so excited for your future. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you. Thank you. You too. Thank you.